You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills, and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas, and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode number 221 of the Make It British podcast. So how are you this week? Did you take part in Made in UK Day last week? I hope you did. I hope you took it as an opportunity to support the amazing brands and businesses that make in the UK. And probably if you're listening to this podcast, you are one of those as well. So did you take part? What impact did it have on your business? Did it raise awareness for the fact that you make products in the UK? I would love to know. Get in touch and let me know. So today I've just come off a coaching call with the wonderful product-based businesses in our British Brand Accelerator program. And this week we talked all about selling to retailers and wholesaling your products, covering everything from how to price for wholesale, what to prepare for before you reach out to buyers and how to connect to your target retailers. So being as I was thinking about wholesaling and selling to retailers today, and because I don't have my planned guest for today's episode, so I'm doing this a little bit on the fly, I thought, why not talk to you on the podcast today about the topic of wholesale and selling to retail buyers. So I've pulled together for you my eight tips for selling to retail buyers. Now, before we go any further, if you aren't sure whether wholesaling is right for you and your business, you might want to take a listen back to episode number 124, which was to wholesale or not to wholesale. When I go into quite a lot of detail about what wholesaling entails and where you need to be as a business and in terms of your margins if you want to wholesale, which I know is always a burning question every time we do any sort of webinar or anything or to any of our audience about making a product in the UK and should you wholesale, that question always comes up. And what people always want to know is where should my margin be if I want to wholesale? So listen back to that episode if you haven't already. That's number 124 and I'll put the link in the show notes. But today, we're going to be talking more specifically about how to sell to retail buyers. Now, how am I qualified to talk about this? Well, if you haven't also heard about my background, you probably have if you're listening to this podcast. But my previous role for many years was working as a retail buyer. So I've got lots of experience of both developing own brand product and also buying product in from other brands, buying that wholesale so I've pulled you together some tips today from my perspective, having been a retail buyer, but also from what I know from speaking to businesses that we work with who make in the UK, because there is a slightly different spin you do need to put on this if you do make in the UK, because it can be a little bit different to if you're importing product. Okay, shall we fire away? So tip number one is know your costings inside out. 
know what your retail price is, know what your margin is, because you can guarantee that if you look like you're slightly wavering on what your prices are, the buyer will smell that a mile off and they will try and knock you down and they will try and negotiate. So you need to make sure you've done all of your costings. You know whether you can afford to wholesale. Again, refer back to episode number 124 and that you have those prices in mind. And you also know what the absolute lowest price is that you can go down to. As a buyer, I was always amazed how many businesses approached us, came in to have a meeting, had a pitch to get their products in our stores and weren't really 100% clear about what their prices were. In fact, we're asking the buyers what we thought they should be selling them for. Now that just shows that you haven't done your research. And I'm going to come on to the research bit in a minute. So tip number one, working with retail buyers, know your costings and your prices inside out. Number two, make sure that you've got a very reliable supply chain. Because if you're currently used to fulfilling quite small orders, selling direct to the consumer yourself, and you get a big order from a retailer or several retailers, how are you going to fulfill that? Can your current manufacturer make that order? Have they got the capacity? Will you have to wait months for them to make it because they aren't a big enough company and they're used to making things maybe in the tens and suddenly you want things in the hundreds or the thousands? So have you got a robust enough supply chain in place that you can deliver the sorts of size of orders that those retailers may potentially hopefully place with you? It's also worth having a conversation with all of the suppliers in your supply chain to find out this sort of information. What are the what ifs if you did want to place a bigger order? What capacity do they have or are they likely to have at any point? Do they have busy periods when they've got certain customers, they're always doing their orders? You know, having that conversation so you know and you get no nasty surprises because there's nothing worse. You get all excited about your order from a retailer and you go back to your manufacturer and they tell you that they can't make it or you've got to wait six months for it. And then you've got to go back to the retailer with that news to say you can't meet the delivery date that you had originally promised them. And that's just going to be a disaster because it will reflect really badly on you. You can't go blaming the manufacturer. So make sure you know what's going on in your supply chain. And that means all parts of it as well, not just the manufacturing part, but all of your labels, packaging, trims, any raw materials that you've got coming in. Have you got a consistent supply of all those parts? And have you also thought about what maybe different packaging and labels the retailer is going to want that aren't what you currently use? In fact, while we're talking about supply chains, the other thing you need to bear in mind is that certain retailers, certainly the bigger ones like I used to work for, will require you to have certain testing and audits in place to make sure there's nothing dodgy going on in their supply chain. So they will expect their suppliers to be the same and have done all those relevant checks. So make sure you know what those audits and tests that you're likely to need for your target retailers or the retailers that you get the orders from. Again, that was something I used to see, the horror on suppliers' faces when they thought they'd got that order from the retailer. And then you mentioned the testing and the audits and they looked at you like, oh gosh, what the hell is this? I'd not thought about that. And then of course the buyer realises they're working with a company 
that's less experienced and that may potentially ring alarm bells. So you don't want to be that person who doesn't know all about what the audits and the testings might likely be that they'll ask you to supply to them before they receive your order. So make sure you've done your research on that. Which brings me on to point number three, which is do your research on everything before you reach out to buyers. So make sure if they've got bricks and mortar stores, you've been to visit them. You know the sort of people that shop there and also that the the customers they have in their shop are the same target audience that you have and you aspire to have for your brand because there needs to be that perfect alignment between the store you're approaching and your brand. And have you really done the research on that? Because if you're approaching a retailer where you're not quite the right fit, you're going to also be totally wasting your time. So do your research, go to the store, find out who their customers are. Also look at what all their price points are. Where does your brand and your where do your prices sit within the selection that they've already got? Are you way more expensive or are you at the right price point? All retailers will have a kind of good, better and best pricing structure. Where do you sit within that? And as a brand that makes in the UK, I would imagine that you would sit within the kind of better and best category. But just have a think about where you sit when it comes to prices. Also have a look at what are the products they're selling and how is the product that you can offer them different to what they've already got on offer. Because what a buyer doesn't want to do is bring in a new supplier that just takes away sales from the products they've already got. So if you're too similar to other products they already stock in their stores, you've got to ask yourself, why are they going to want to stock you? Are you really that different? Or have they already got what you already have? Or are they already selling stuff from your competitors that's so similar they need a very good reason to bring you in? Now, there can be really good reasons why they might take on a new supplier. It might be that the product can be delivered much more quickly. It may be that the product is considerably cheaper. That's probably not the area you're going to go down if you are listening to this podcast and you do make in the UK. I very much doubt you're competing on price, but you might be competing on speed of delivery because you've got a much faster turnaround time because your lead times are shorter because you're making locally than maybe other brands that are importing. So that may be where you differ. All this is information that you can use in your pitch to the buyer as well, knowing how your product fits in and how it's different to what they've already got on offer. And then also when you're doing your research, think about how does this retailer's values align with my own and that of my brand? So, for instance, if your brand is really big on sustainability, does that retailer and their customers even care about sustainability? You know, what is it that you really care about and that really matters to you and your brand? Because if you're selling to a retailer that doesn't align with that vision, let me tell you, after a while, it's shortly going to wind you up. And it's also going to reflect really badly on the customers that are buying directly from you if you're selling in a retailer, which is not as aspirational, maybe, as your brand is. So that was tip number three, do your research. Number four is when you reach out to a buyer, make sure you are selling the benefits of your product to them and the benefits of why they should buy from you and what problem you can solve for them and not just 
putting the features in front of them. So think about it. When a buyer invests in any new product, any new supplier, because there's a certain amount of time it takes for them to onboard you and get you used to using their systems and and the way they work and maybe even their the way they do their labeling, how they present stuff in stores, all that sort of thing. So there's a certain amount of kind of onboarding cost in terms of their time. But it's also a risk bringing in any new product when they don't have the sales history and they don't know how it's going to sell. So how can you present that to a buyer when you approach them that you are basically taking away some of that risk in terms of can you demonstrate that there is a huge demand for your product? Have you got a previous sales history somewhere else that you can talk about, that you can basically take away some of that some of that doubt that they may be having about whether they want to take your brand and your product on board? So what sales history have you got? Have you had influencers recently that are talking about your product, raving about your product. It's a must-have item. Has there been a lot of high-profile press? Make sure you talk about that. At the end of the day, particularly if you're supplying a big store like those that I used to work with, that buyer has to justify everything they're purchasing and every new supplier they're taking on to their boss. And they're going to have to sit there and say why they are bringing your product in. And you're making their job really easy for them if you've already outlined what those benefits are. You need to do it in such a way as well that it doesn't sound arrogant, like you're not telling them that you know their customers better than they do, because that's not what it's all about. It's about how can you put that information in front of them in a way that basically makes it a no-brainer for them. So selling the benefits of your product to the buyer is a really important one. Now, number five, which is linked to number four, is be persistent. So if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Now, if your first experience of approaching a buyer from a certain retailer doesn't work out quite as you would have hoped, do not give up. Now, certainly if you're approaching some of the bigger retailers, they will have a whole department of buyers. And if you didn't have any luck reaching out to the buyer or the senior buyer, maybe try reaching out to the assistant or junior buyer because those junior buyers soon become the buyers and the senior buyers. So it's worth building up a relationship with the more junior people on the team. And also, buyers tend to move around quite a lot as well. So if you met one where the two of you just didn't click, don't give up hope. And also if you contact them and you don't hear back from them either, again, if probably they're really busy, just like with manufacturers, they're really busy. Your email has got totally lost in their inbox. Follow it up with a phone call and just be persistent because it will pay off in the end. And you do have to kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince when it comes to finding retailers to work with and those that you gel with. No matter how much research you've done, how good your prices are, how much you know that your product would be amazing for them in their stores, sometimes things just don't work out. But don't give up. Try someone else. Try another retailer. And then maybe come back to that initial one when things things could have changed, the buyer could have moved on, it could be totally different. So don't give up. Also, maybe start out with some smaller stores and some independent stores first. Cut your wholesaling teeth on them first 
and then maybe move on to the bigger, more high profile retailers when you've got a little bit more experience and you can sound confident, but don't give up. Number six on my eight tips for selling to retail buyers is read the small print, always. So there's going to probably be a hell of a lot of paperwork. The bigger the store or the bigger the store group, the more paperwork they'll have for you to sign. Probably they'll have a great big thick supplier manual that you're expected to read through that tells you about all their processes and systems and how you're supposed to deliver everything and just read it all. Read it all. And if you don't understand it, go back and question it particularly when it comes to things involving payment terms and uh, discount terms and any of those little hidden charges that might suddenly crop up that you hadn't initially thought about that can come back and bite you on the bum if you're not careful. So read the small print always. I know it's really boring reading any sort of manual, paperwork, contracts, but honestly, it will be worth it in the end because otherwise it could be a really costly mistake. And if you feel like you need a second opinion on it, get someone else to look at the small print for you as well. But just whatever you do, make sure you've read it. Number seven is pick the right channels or the right ways in which you're going to approach these retailers. So there's so many different ways that you can go about finding retailers. And it's not something I'm going to cover in great depth here. It is something we went through with our coaching clients. We talked all about the different ways that you might approach buyers, how you might find their details out. But for now, just think about once you've picked your target store or stores, make a list of who those target retailers are that you would like to be stocked in and then work backwards and think, where is going to be the best way to find these buyers? It may be that if it's a local store that's on your list, it's really easy. You can just pop in and see them. But are there other ways and other channels in which you can approach them to best have some chance of success of being seen? I mean, the obvious one and the one that's as old as time is doing a trade show and meeting buyers that way. But make sure if that is going to be what you do, that you've done your research on the trade show, you know which buyers attend, you know who've, which of your competitors are there. Just do your research on that. Pick the right channels to approach the target stores that you want to work with. And then finally, number eight, if the whole idea of approaching retail buyers and selling to them gives you the total heebie-jeebies, Another option that you might want to consider is using a wholesale marketplace as a third party to do that transaction for you between the retailers and the independent retailers and your brand. So there's quite a few wholesale marketplaces springing up at the moment. Don't get them confused with a B2C marketplace, so something like Etsy or Amazon or Wolf and Badger, who sell direct to the consumer. So a wholesale marketplace works in a similar kind of way, except it's just for independent stores and retailers to browse a selection of products and see the wholesale prices from those brands and buy directly through that platform. So that takes the whole headache out of it for you in terms of negotiating prices with retailers and actually dealing with that transaction and looking at the small print. But obviously, in return, if you are using a wholesale marketplace, you've got to pay them a commission as well. So that further erodes your margin, which you may not be able to afford to do if you make in the UK. But it is an option if you want to just dip your toe in the water and you want to do it easy and quickly. I think probably the biggest, most well-known one, well, certainly the one that pops up all the time, 
on my Instagram feed in terms of an advert is FAIR, spelled F-A-I-R-E. But there's, there's several new wholesale marketplaces popping up at the moment. So it's worth looking into that if the other options scare the living daylights out of you. But I hope they won't. I hope the eight tips that I've given you today do give you some sort of confidence. If you were thinking, should I start doing a little bit of wholesale? And it gives you the confidence to actually think, maybe I could do it. Maybe I do have the prices. I do know which retailers I want to be in and I can start approaching those retailers with confidence and sell them my products because there's great rewards to be reaped when you do work with retailers, but it's not for everyone, which is why I recommend you go back and listen to episode number 124 about whether you should be wholesaling in the first place. But hopefully this has given you something to think about. Another episode that I did, if you are interested in selling to retailers, it's actually a recording of one of the sessions from our last Make It British Live trade show with Tori Murphy, who talked all about how to get noticed by high-end retailers. So her homeware brand is stocked in some big retailers like Selfridges. And she talked at the show in conversation with myself. We had a fireside chat and she talked about all about how she got stocked as a new brand in those big retailers. So that's worth taking a listen to. And that is episode number 62. So again, I'll put the link for that in the show notes for the podcast. So I hope you found this useful. As always, thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more about the coaching program that I have, British Brand Accelerator, you can do so by going to katehills.co.uk forward slash apply. We open for new clients periodically, but certainly get on the wait list and we can let you know when we're next taking new people in. It's lots of fun. We have fortnightly coaching calls going into lots of detail on topics like you hear on this podcast, but we go in much more detail with our coaching clients and we talk all about how it relates specifically to your individual business. So for instance, if you were thinking about whether you might want to wholesale, we would dig in with you and crunch your numbers and work out if you can make it work. And then also work with you to highlight who those retailers might be that you would want to approach. So you can get lots more details if you go to katehills.co.uk forward slash apply. If we think we're a good fit, we will let you know. We'll send you more details, but there is absolutely no obligation to sign up. So if you enjoy this podcast and you want to work together more closely, I would love to hear from you. So thanks once again for listening. I will hopefully be back with a guest next week or maybe it'll be another solo show. We actually get a lot more downloads for these solo shows that I do rather than the guests. Now, I wonder whether that's because the solo episodes are shorter, whereas our interviews with guests are generally 30 minutes or more. I'd love to know. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you've got a guest you'd like to recommend, please email me at kateandmakeitbritish.co.uk. But also let me know, do you prefer the solo shows? Because we've had like three or four in a row now. Or do you prefer to listen to the interviews or a mixture of both? be great to hear from you thanks for listening see you next week bye
Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Friday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. Many of the interviews that you hear on series four of this podcast are also available to watch on our YouTube channel. You can find it by going to youtube.com forward slash make it British LTD. That's make it British with the letters LTD. Bye bye.